everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Uh, friends, we are kind of back in the same position that we've been in the last few times we've uh, we've spoken. The Mets continue to take a step forward, take a step back. You know, the brakes are certainly falling their way as far as um, stuff that's out of their control. I mean, the Mets are playing well. They're playing spirited. They're winning ball games when they have to. They're winning ball games any way they can. <laughs> but um, there's a certain level of concern growing with the. Uh, you know the the inconsistencies of the offense. Um, you've seen we've seen we saw some of the pitching kind of. I don't want to say breakdown this weekend, but not give as dominant performances as we've seen. The Mets are still still dealing with injuries as much as you know as many guys are are coming back right now. There's still going to be um, hurdles to to cross or bridges to cross as far as getting everything back to uh, you know one hundred to one hundred percent a full go. But, um, you know, this weekend I think we saw a little bit of the entire spectrum as far as this Mets team. Plenty of fight. You know, you saw it on Friday. Uh, <laughs> you know, two extra inning games. Um, one the Mets won, one the Mets lost. And, you know, plenty of uh, just – well, not plenty of offense, but, 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 you know, plenty of fight. And that's just been a hallmark of this team all year long. And I think Michael Conforto talked about it after the uh, – the game on Saturday, it just, you know, there's no, it doesn't matter how far they're down, this team's not going to quit. I think that they've proven that, you know, considering the level of adversity that they faced so far this season, just, you know, unprecedented <laughs> adversity that they faced this season. And to come out now and, and still be in contention, still be one of the better teams in the National League, um, you know, it, it, it speaks volumes about this team's dedication to their craft and, and just focus on the goal. They're, they're not being distracted or, or, you know, taken off track by, you know, stuff that is going to happen over the course of a long season, whether that's injuries, whether that's underperformance, you know, whether that's just these stretches that we're seeing now of the Mets scoring 29 runs over their last 13 games. I mean, you know, most of that time was still a um, – <laughs> being more and more exposed bench mob. Um, I talked about a little bit the Apple this week. You know, there's there was going to come a point in this process that the bench mob was just simply not going to be um, – they were going to be exposed as the bench players that they were, and we saw that happen. We talked about it a little bit on the last show. I uh, wrote about it on the Apple. But y- you have to take into consideration that once these guys are removed from – everyday positions, which one, they're not suited for, and two, they will be exposed by major league pitching over time. Take them out of those spots and put them in the more sparing positions to succeed. You know, put them in spots to, to, to do well. That's kind of the point of this whole thing. But, you know, if you're putting bench players in starting roles, yeah, you know, that's in, in the long run, the scales are going to tip. It's just not going to work out. Um, now that guys are returning, you have Conforto back, McNeil's back, Brandon Nimmo's expected back in the lineup on Tuesday, I believe. J.D. Davis is starting a rehab assignment midweek. You know, things are moving right along, and there's going to be an adjustment period. I think we saw it, you know, even this weekend. You know, we saw the instant impact that Michael Conforto brought when he returned this week, and that, you know, that the buzz kind of wore off, Um 
after, you know, a couple of games. And the Mets kind of settled back into their um, struggling to score runs kind of MO that they've been, <laughs> you know, uh, concerningly stuck in for the for the last, you know, let's say a couple of months. But, um, you know, and, and they come at it from time to time. They'll, they'll put up a crooked number here and there. But, um, again, when you're only scoring less than 30 runs over two weeks, it's, it's you know, it, it can be a problem. Um, am I concerned in the long term with this group? No, not what, not not at all. Um, we spoke about it on the last show. As guys return, it's going to offer everyone protection in a lineup. It's going to offer um, every. It's going to make. It's going to force opposing teams to game plan and show these show the Mets a different approach. Um, I think that's going to result in more opportunities for the Mets to score, for more guys to break out. They do have to improve their hitting against curveballs. We saw them. You know, just absolutely uh, belittled this weekend by the curveball. And even going back to last week against, uh, uh, what's his name in Atlanta, um, Charlie Morton. It's just, you know, these are the little things that you have to kind of just work on and progress. And I'm sure the, the Mets hitting coaches, um, Quattlebaum and, and uh, oh, geez, forgive me. I forget his name and I don't have it in front of me. Um, you know, they're, they're, they have their work cut out for them. I have been noticing the Mets haven't been taking batting practice much as of late. I don't know if they're doing extra work in the cages with the machines. Who knows? In any case, just get it worked out. And I think, you know, over time this is going to – work itself out. This group is just too talented not to find their way. Um, if everyone's doing what they're capable of doing, it's, it's, it, everything's going to be fine. Just, you know, it, there's going to be ruts. And right now this offense is <laughs> stuck in an absolute rut. So, Hey, it, it is what it is. You keep on moving forward that that's all you can do. Um, you know, I guess, what was it? Saturday? Um, we saw Jacob DeGrom finally look human, but, you know, it was on days like these that you'd kind of hope that the Mets would show up, that they would bring their, their A game, that they would kind of motivate themselves. And especially when you see that Jacob DeGrom doesn't have his best stuff. Um, this is a Phillies team that he's dominated in, in over the course of his career. I think he it's something like a 530. It, can that, that can't be right. A 550 OPS against in 420 plate appearances versus the Phillies. That's just crazy. Anyway, um, so DeGrom, you know, he had a, a really strong opportunity to kind of continue on the pace that he's been on. Came into the day with a 0 0.50 ERA. It just, you know, you, you can't expect greatness every time he goes out. Every time the Mets starting pitching, who've all been outstanding. You can't expect that level of performance every time they go out there and on Saturday, I think we saw it on full display that, you know, you're not going to get the top level of every player every day. And I think we've seen plenty of that, at least on the offensive side. Just more glaring when you see guys every day as opposed to once every fifth day. Um, but, you know, Jake on Saturday, he he didn't – he handled – don't get me wrong. He, he let up two earned runs over six innings. Like, that's always going to play. But, um, you know, the offense without – Without being the threat that they should, it puts the Mets at an immediate disadvantage. And and the pitching can only take them so far. I mean, um, even on Sunday, you saw that, you know, Stroman had a, a, a tough outing. He only lasted three innings, 75 pitches or 74 pitches over three. 
uh, you know, these things are going to happen. You had Corey Oswald come in and just absolutely fire off four terrific scoreless innings and, you know, picking each other up. And on the pitching side, that's great. But on the offense, you know, the Mets are around, I think, 3.6 runs per game, last in baseball. It's it's going to need a concerted effort on the other side of the chalk to play up to that level. Because, boy, if you got everybody pulling together and pulling the same way and only one guy slumping instead of five guys slumping, um, you know, this team can do very, very special things. We've heard it out of the clubhouse from the players, from the manager. Everyone kind of feels something special happening here. And, you know, these, these minor setbacks and these little lulls in production, it's natural stuff. But um, I think the proof in the pudding is this team continuously breaking themselves out of that funk and continuing to move forward. Um, I think Dom Smith said it on Saturday. He said, we're finding ways to get the job done. And that's that's true. They found every possible way to get the job done so far. I mean, you, you, you they're bringing in guys that, you know, were, were not only not on the roster to start the year, but you never expected them, you know, to ever be in Queens, to ever be starting for, for a month straight. Like, you know, just guys stepped up. But now that time is over. Guys are coming back and it's time for the regulars to, you know, get back to what they're paid to be doing. And, you know, there's going to be an adjustment period. Um, Confortos and the McNeils and the Nimmos and the Davises, you know, they're, they're, they they had their rehab assignments. They had some time off. It's going to take a little time to get readjusted to major league pitching. It's just part of the process. Um, I think we're seeing that now and we're going to continue to see that, but it's going to be on the guys like Francisco Lindor and Dom Smith and Pete Alonso and, and Kevin Pillar, if he's still in the lineup on a regular basis, and uh, just to kind of, you know, keep that fire burning. It only takes a spark, guys. We all know that. It only takes a spark for this, for any team to just go on a tear. Um, I think the Mets are trying very, very hard to make the most out of their sparks, but they're just, you know, they're few and far between. I think Zach Eflin on Saturday, um, you know, he, he's not, this is the guy that the Mets have hit hard in the past. This is a guy who's, you know, he's a crafty veteran, but he's not going to overpower you. This is not a, a guy who should be shutting down this roster, even in this current carnation, incarnation of it. It's just, you know, it it shouldn't happen. But, um, you know, it, it's just, it's all part of the process. My concern level is so low at this point. One, considering the, the roster itself, you just, on paper, it's just terrific. The lead that they've built up so far in the division, which is, of course, it's not a comfortable cushion, but it's it's enough for <laughs> to, it's enough for this current little, I guess, skid or whatever you want to call. It. They're winning games. It's not even a skid. They're just not scoring any runs. Um, but it's enough to make it palatable. It's enough to say, hey, you know, there's still a lot to be excited about. You just got to hope that the motivation level and the um, yeah, the, the, the level of momentum inside the clubhouse and inside the dugout is still there. And I think we saw it a little bit on Sunday. I know I'm jumping all around the weekend right now. I, I Honestly, I'm just kind of riffing. <laughs> I hope you guys don't mind. Uh, my good buddy and, and excellent best producer in the gosh darn game, if we're going to be honest. Uh, Andrew Claudio, he's on vacation this weekend. Uh, this guy took his laptop with him and said, I, I told him that I wasn't going to record. But he said, no, no, no. I, I would have brought my laptop with me for no reason if you don't record. So uh, a quick salute to just the absolute, the best in the game. What can I say except 
You're welcome. But like I was saying, my level of concern for, for this group is, is nil. It's absolutely none. Um, just the, the, the road ahead, it's not going to be easy. And I think there's, we talked about it a little bit last week. There's still going to be injuries to deal with. Um, the 162-game season after a 60-game season is going to have just wild ripple effects. And, and it's going to be an uphill climb. And I think that's going to go league-wide. I think, yeah, we're going to see the offense start to tick up between the, uh, the, 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 the grip substances, which we'll get into a little bit of that in the second half. Um, the, the ball just livening in the summer. I think we talked about this last week too. Like, you know, it's, it's a long season guys. You know, I think this team has given us every reason to be very, very excited and encouraged by not only what we've seen by, but by what we should expect. I think that came out right. Um, you just kind of, you have to keep it, keep it trudging ahead, but we're going to take a real quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsors and uh, yeah, we'll come right back. Again, this will be a quick one. We'll wrap it up. Hang tight. We'll be right back. And welcome. So um, yeah, the Mets, they split their four games in three day series with the Phillies. They split their four games in three day series with the Braves, you know, just kind of chugging right along moving ahead you know the Mets are on a little road trip right now they're they're, they're heading off to Washington on Monday for a one game series uh, one game makeup my apologies uh, then they have three in Atlanta then three in the Bronx and that takes us right through Fourth of July weekend which is next Sunday um you know this is these are all good teams these are all every one of these games are going to be important the most concerning part of this little stretch is that there's no off days and granted the Mets will have July 12th through July 15th off uh, for the all-star break but you know with a taxed bullpen and a rotation that's in flux due to the the injuries and and just everything that's kind of going on with this group um the the off days are are useful um you know you we've already seen Louis Rojas be very conservative with his starters throughout the season. Um, lot, many guys are not going deep into games, and uh, I'm okay with that. And, you know, the bullpen's been terrific in holding up their end of the bargain and keeping not only leads intact, but keeping the Mets in games when they're behind. But, you know, you have to start being concerned with letting your starters go five and then leading on your bullpen for four every single night, especially when, you know, you get into the, the middle of the season, like as we are now, and, uh, you know, the Mets have, they're going two weeks at a time without an off day. So, you know, they come back from, so let me just mark that up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 10, 14. So they got 14 games in 14 days leading up to the all-star break. Then they got three in Pittsburgh, three in Cincinnati, three in Toronto, five. You got a five-game series uh, at home. I'm sorry. Coming back from Cincinnati, they come home. They have an off day on Thursday, and uh, Thursday, July 22nd. So Toronto's in for three, which should be fun. You got Bo Bichette. You got Vladdy Guerrero. Hopefully you got uh, maybe Steve Matz coming home making a start. I hope he does well. But then starting on July 26th, you got five games in four days against the Braves. And then after that, three at home versus Cincinnati and a seven-game road trip before finally having another off day on August 9th. So, guys, I mean, 
I understand the need for saving your bullets, especially with a rotation that's as important to this Mets team as they are, um, especially after a, a short season leading into a full season. You don't know how guys are going to react. I think we're going to start to see, um, you know, injuries and 10-day and DL stints kind of pop up more often, if if anything, just for kind of load management. Um, and I'm totally fine with that. I wish the Mets had a little bit more depth and uh, are available depth because they had the depth, but now they're all uh, kind of dropping one by one. Um, just to kind of allow that to take place. We'll see if they have the ability to. We'll see if maybe starters can start going six or seven a night. And, you know, and you know, we've seen Walker go out and give you seven. We've seen Stroman come out and give you seven. We've seen um, David Peterson come out and give you seven. And that's, you know, all well and good. But, um, you know, there's going to be days that, like we saw on Sunday, Stroman only gave you three. And there's going to be days that, you know, maybe Walker gets knocked out after two. And, you know, you just kind of have to hope they keep those few and far between so you can keep this bullpen. Still, you know, they've had their ups and downs. And I think that, you know, Edwin Diaz, for all his troubles and non-save situations, has been terrific. Uh, Trevor Mays found, regained his I guess you could take composure after a really, really tough stretch. Um, Miguel Castro's been up and down. Um, you know, you, you have to, again, it all comes back to putting these guys in the position to succeed. Um, one area that, you know, you kind of have to look at, considering the, the overall temperature of the game these days uh, and the rules, um, <laughs> of course, the uh, the new rules that are in effect now, is uh, and how guys are adjusting to... Um, not using grip substances to help increase their spin rates or even just to get grip. And we talked about it with Jerry Blevins on the show a few weeks ago. Please go back and check that out because it's still very, very relevant. And Jerry was outstanding. But, you know, even for the guys who aren't using it to gain 300 RPM on their, on their four-seamer, you know, they were using something just for grip. And these are professional ball players who rely on feel to hone their craft, and to get their job done. And overnight, you're pretty much changing the entire playing field. Um, yeah, I'm sure rosin and sweat, you know, the legal stuff still works okay for grip, but it's still a matter of time before you you kind of have the feel for what your, for what your pitches kind of necessitate. And, you know, for, let's say, I mean, we've talked about Jacob deGrom. His spin rates haven't budged. We've talked about, you know, a lot of guys, and and they've been very, very, you know, consistent, and, and you know, you could look through right, right down the whole Mets um, starting rotation, pretty much. Stroman, uh, he's always had a little bit of fluctuation. Taiwan Walker, I, t- excuse me, Taiwan Walker, his numbers actually went up <laughs> since they implemented the rules. Like, you know, there's nothing to be concerned with with the Mets starters, but you know, around the league, there's going to be guys who are struggling to find their command, struggling to regain that feel. And I think over the last week, um, you know, not to say that, you know, Jacob deGrom was using grip substances, but maybe he did have sunscreen on his arm. Maybe that did help him, you know, find his command a little bit better. Because if you look at them on Saturday, um, the the feel wasn't always there. And you saw him kind of digging at the mound. Maybe there was an issue on his landing spot. Um you know, you never know what these guys are feeling, uh, you know, internally as far as health, um, you know, the the threshold that 
Jake DeGrom or Marcus Stroman or, you know, Tywon Walker might have to, to pitch through something that's nagging or whatever. It might be, you know, we can't speculate on that. But it's fair to speculate that without the assistance of even normal non-performance-enhancing grip substances, um, guys are just kind of struggling to find their way. And, you know, it's um, it's a shame. I think we saw – what's the guy used to be with the Mets? Uh Oh, gosh, now I forgot his name. He got popped with Seattle on Sunday. They took his glove. He's going to face a 10-game suspension. Like, that's a – um, and the team can't replace him. You know, that's a hefty uh, a loss for your team. I'm not surprised that guys are just kind of kicking it to the curb and say, all right, let's get a feel for it. But, you know, in the meantime, uh, you know, a Jacob deGrom who came in Saturday with a 0.50 ERA, you know, maybe he's – working to find his feel without rosin and sunscreen or whatever. And, you know, he, he lets up two earned runs instead of continuing his, I think he came into the day with a 29 or 30. I think I, on the Apple, I fucked up. I put a 29 inning scoreless streak. It was 30 because he ended at 31. They scored in the second. Anyway, um, you know, and this isn't to, to say that, again, it's not to say that Jacob DeGrom's using, you know, spider tack, but everyone was using Something and again the the uh, sweat and rosin within the framework that's okay that's good sunscreen and rosin it gives you a little bit more um, but that's not going to increase guys RPMs you know by a hundred to three hundred to five hundred that's not what increased Trevor May's uh, excuse me Trevor Bauer's four seam RPMs you know seven hundred I believe over the course of two seasons it wasn't sunscreen and and rosin, you know, it was, it was more developed. It was more specific type stuff. And maybe it wasn't spider tack. It it feels kind of silly that everyone's, oh, spider tack, spider tack. And yeah, I'm sure that stuff was everywhere, but you know, we've already heard stories about guys going out and using, you know, having their own separate scientists cook up these different concoctions. We've heard of people using cooked down Dr. Pepper. So like Dr. Pepper in a, in a saucepan that's cooked down. So all that liquid is gone. It's just that sugar, sticky, nasty, 23 flavors or whatever it is, um, left. And you know, you put that inside of a black glove, no one's ever going to see that. It's, uh, it's just very, you know, it's a fluid situation. And I, I think that guys, you know, these are professionals and they learn, they know how to pitch and you know, the guys who don't, the guys who need it are going to fall by the wayside and it might be some prominent names, but as we've talked about in the past, I put the, the figures up on Twitter, the metrics and such, you know, by all accounts and even since, uh, after the rules have been implemented, the Mets the starting rotation has been really good looking into the bullpen though. And Hey, you know, I, I guess this is my job. I don't want to Go ahead and piss on anyone's parade here. But, um, you know, Edwin Diaz and Miguel Castro have both uh, been – have both shown, I guess, significant uh, – noticeable. I'll stick with noticeable. Noticeable dips in their RPM since since June 21st when the new rules were implemented. Um, you know, nothing too crazy. I think – you know what? Give me one second. I want to say Castro's was – his slider was like 500 RPMs were lost, but give me one second. I got this stuff here. We can actually look at Sundays for, so you look, you look at Stroman, his spin averages were down, you know, in the hundreds. And that's, you know, that's nothing to be 
all too concerned with. If you look back at all his starts, because one, this is a guy who really works on feel and really changes his, not only changes his um, uh, velocity, but he changes his pitch shapes like mid mid outing. I'm not all that concerned with, uh, you know, 150 to 200 RPM drop. But, you know, you go down to a, um, oh, I'm sorry, I'll have to go to Saturday to check out uh, the other two. But, you know, you, you look around and, and you see, very, very noticeable drops. You know, I'm when I'm jumping around Statcast, I'm looking for RPM changes in like 300 or over, and you'll see it in the year averages compared to the daily, the daily averages. You'll see, you know, across the board, a number of guys that are, you know, in the 300 to 500 range if, as far as losing RPM. And that's, you know, that's concerning. But I think all that stuff will come out in the wash. I, I you, you have to know that, you know, the league is also going to have these figures, you know that um, teams are going to have these figures internally. And, you know, they're going to do all they can to kind of help their players along. But, you know, over time, it's going to be very obvious, oh, hey, pitcher A, who was, you know, a 2.1 ERA guy leading up to the rule change, but now, you know, has a a 6.3 ERA, it's pretty clear that he needed this to succeed. Um and that again, that stuff is all gonna just kind of come out in the wash. It's it that's just how baseball works. It's unforgiving in that sense. Um, there's always gonna be adjustments made, and you know, in this specific case, this is a very big adjustment to make, and some guys just aren't gonna be able to make it. That's just what it is. So I'm looking back at Saturday now. You look at Jacob Degrom's spin rates. <laughs> so from his yearly average, uh, his slider dropped. Seven RPMs, which is nothing. So that's seven rotations per minute. So that's absolutely nothing. His four seam dropped nine rotations per minute, and his changeup dropped eighty-seven. Which again, absolutely no cause for concern there. Um, Aaron Loop again, fine, nothing. A fifty RPM drop on his sinker. Um, Seth Lugo's changeup, I guess his. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not taking that really into consideration right now because he's only had a few outings and he actually went up so correct me if I'm wrong there but if you look at Edwin Diaz Edwin Diaz's maxes are pretty much now reaching his yearly averages so like on a slider his yearly average is 2279 that was coming into um to Saturday and his max that's 2279 rotations per minute rpm the max on his slider on Saturday was 22.22 on the nose. Better go play that and win four, folks. Um, you know, that's probably the level of drop that we can be expecting or just maybe to look. You know, that's I guess that's what I'm looking at. And maybe hopefully that was the goal here was to bring everybody down a notch, was to lower those maxes or lower those averages down to a guy's max. Or You know what I'm trying to say here. But, you know, you have – Guys who are able to throw 100 miles an hour consistently. And a part of pitching has always been command and control. And, you know, if guys are getting so such a good grip that they're able to command better, I guess if that makes sense, I guess that's kind of where the line needs to be drawn because you can't have guys that can command pinpoint, have pinpoint command, but can also throw 100. And their name's not Jacob deGrom. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's it's unnatural. And, you know, baseball is an unnatural game to begin with. And it's always been a, a, a case of 
players and teams doing whatever they can to gain an advantage. It's just how this game, it's how any game is. We all have a friend who's cheated at Monopoly since we were kids. It is what it is. It, you know, everyone's going to try to gain an advantage. Um, grip substance is just, it went too far. And I think that I, as, as much as I think there's a middle ground to be had here, as far as allowing guys to use some sort of universal substance to keep the, 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 the statistical side within reason and keep the command or keep the, the pitcher's feel, which is so important to a pitcher, which in turn keeps the level of the quality of the game up, um, to keep all that stuff intact is kind of important as well. And I know I kind of went off topic on this. I'm just kind of, you know, riffing. Um, it's in the news a lot. And at times I want to say that it's being made into a mountain out of a molehill. Other times you look at it and say, oh my God, this is terrible for the game. But, you know, these things have the way have their own little way of working themselves out. It's just, it, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, I'm not concerned. I think they're going to be fine. I think the game has other stuff to worry about. But, um, you know, if if leveling the playing field as far as grip, studs, grip substances is, um, it's going to make the, the quality of the game better. I'm all for it. Because right now, you know, offenses are... <laughs> they're, they're desperate and um, you know I get that hitters have to adjust to pitching but if the pitchers are you know making it impossible to adjust to you know you have a problem so we'll see how it all kind of pans out over time um, we've already talked about who the Mets have coming up so that's not on the list you have to consider this week a pretty big week um, again one in Washington three in Atlanta you could still create some separation in the NL East and then he got three in the Bronx, and that's um, it's on Fourth of July weekend, which is very cool. I think they should do that every year. Um, you know, it's it's it doesn't have much divisional or you know record. It just it, it affects you the record. That's it. There's no divisional thing. To, I I've talked about this on the show in the past. I'm not crazy about interleague play. I get it. It's a part of the game now. But um, yeah, you know, if the Yankees were in the same division as the Mets, which one day I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, it'd be a different story, but now it just, it's, it's so watered down. Anyway, um, yeah, big week. Create some separation, beat the Yanks, which is always fun. And, uh, please, please, please stay healthy and, and start scoring some runs. Guys, I think we touched on everything, hit all our bases. We will be back on Friday, hopefully with many, many good things to report. And, uh, yeah, you guys have a great week. Let's go Mets. Peace. Peace.